Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 115. We are welcoming back to the show writer, artist, Caleb Palmquist, who he runs the famed Enkido Studio, home of modern mythology, small favor, and unicorn vampire hunter. He is here to talk about his latest Kickstarter for his comic book, Unicorn Vampire Hunter, issues one through three, an all-ages fantasy adventure about a unicorn who hunts vampires. Caleb, welcome back. Uh, thanks for having me. So, so now we have you are now. This is your third. This is your third uh, uh, showing. So now you have officially become friend of the show. So I just wanted to clear that up. So um, you're 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 one of the few that have have, have reached that level. So I'll have to think oh. of a I'll have to think of a new title for after four uh, you know four appearances, but. Uh, <laughs> The three appearances you've become friend of the show so yes welcome right. back yeah it's exciting you. and i just you know looking at your kickstarter um pulling it up real quick you are now uh you've reached your goal congratulations yep. thank you and and so let me ask you this is this the quickest it's gone so far or is this on pace of your your previous ones for this unicorn? one is um slightly ahead of the last one we did for number one and two um it's uh they both funded on the fourth day which is really exciting um and this one's doing just a little bit better than that one did so that's um feeling good about it so did you so let me ask you did you do you see how what's the returning is there a way you can tell off off offhand like how many people are returning readers and how many are new readers so Kickstarter doesn't give me any direct metric in terms of um, like how many people backed before and, and returned. But I, of course, I recognize names and um, I see a lot of people who are backing just for number three, which tells me that right. unless they're very confused, uh, <laughs> they're returning. Um, and so uh, there's a lot, a lot of people are coming back, which is very exciting. Um, right. I think for the first few days, it was almost, it was like probably 95% people coming back, which is really exciting. That of course makes me feel very good about the work that I'm doing and the stories that I'm creating. Right. I mean, cause you had, you still have the, you know, your returning artists or you have Daryl coming back as you, as your artist. And I remember you said, so it was about this time last year, you were, you were pushing, uh, that you you launched issue number one. That was like October twentieth, wasn't it, or twenty first? Yeah. yeah. Yep. It was right at the end of October, so it's been uh, just under a year since we launched number one. Right. Uh, and so and and so then number two came out about six months later. So you are you trying to do these issues like every six months or so now? Yeah, um, that's more or less the goal. We may we might be doing a combined issue four and five Kickstarter next year. Really? Uh, to yeah, to wrap up the first arc. Um, kind of depends on um, on how the schedule goes, but I think that's the plan. I think that uh, it's clear that people are excited about the story, and we want to get it to them as fast as possible. Right. Um, so uh, we might be doing that if if it feels like the support would be there, um, and. Um, 
you know, on Kickstarter, always trying new and different things. And, um, you know, one of the things is like, of course, people are excited. People are excited for the next issue. And with Kickstarter, there's only so fast I can, I can only run so many Kickstarters, right? Like even if, even if I was working with the fastest artists in the world, there's only so often I can run a Kickstarter. And so, um, I'm, it's, um, you know, just trying to see how, how we can do it in a way that, that gets the, the books to people faster without compromising quality. Right. Right. I mean, and you're saying, I remember you're saying in that, uh, your, your first year when we were talking about issue number one, like you are, I mean, like you said, like, um, Dave and Daryl, that's your team. These are the ones that are going to be working on that. So, and, and plus, as you said, like that's the style that, that Daryl and Dave bring to the story. Um, as you said, that's your team or is, is the three of you on that. Um, and you can, I mean, it's, I remember you're saying like it, your, your job is kind of easier as the writer of it. And also kind of that where it's the, uh, the artist, what, you know, what Daryl has to bring is that's the, is that, as you said, that's the bottleneck of production just because you, like you say, you don't want to sacrifice quality for with the artwork. Yeah. I mean, I would hesitate to use the term bottleneck just because it sounds like I'm, I'm like waiting on him. Daryl yeah. is, is actually like not only incredibly talented, right. but he's also pretty damn fast. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. And he's a bit of a workhorse. In fact, it's kind of funny. We have a little bit of a cycle where um, he works really fast. He works so fast that he kind of exhausts himself. And then he's like, okay, I need about a month where I can like <laughs> not look at a pencil and not draw because. I, I did too much. Um, but um, yeah, he, uh, I mean, you know, it, it really is like a process of I've written these scripts and then, you know, I've, I've got to um, hand it off right. to Daryl and then to Dave to finish it up. But um, what I found with Daryl is that it's still it continues to be a collaborative process of course he's right. doing for the work but um the story changes as we as we go through the art and um you know it, it really does become a collaborative thing where where we're going back and forth with different decisions um and um so a lot of what you end up seeing in the final result in terms of story uh has a lot of input from both Daryl and Dave, the letterer, um, even even at the lettering stage, where you know tweaks are being made, and um, and those two guys are a fundamental part of the storytelling process. Not just because they're creating the art, but also because they are providing input on the story. And I think it's all the better for it. Right now, do you have? Because I remember we were, we we're talking about this last year about just as you design the world. You have, uh, I was asking you about magic systems and if you had like, you know, like schools of, and, you know, you're uh, you kind of referencing a bit about like Gandalf and Lord of the Rings where there was, it's, um, there's not very you know, specific rules set up. But now my, my follow-up question for you a year later on this, issue three, you have on the, on the Kickstarter, you have a and d campaign for it. Have mm -hmm. you been able to, kind of hone in on you know just just uh the world building aspect of the, of how magic works now 
Um, yeah, certainly on my end, there are rules to the magic. There are specific rules to how things work. How does a unicorn work? How does, um, how does like evil magic and good magic work? And, mm. and, uh, how do vampires work in swirl and all that kind of stuff. Although in the story, uh, I feel like a lot of that is not really necessary to explain, but you are right. There's a D and D, uh, campaign guide, uh, on this Kickstarter and that has, um, very specific rules. But a lot of those rules um, are basically just me adapting the world to the rule set of D&D. &D. Right. Um, and uh, my partner, Lorelai, was a huge help with that. She's like a big D&D &D, um, aficionado. And so I had her check over everything and, and create some of the stat blocks and stuff like that um, because she knows what she's doing a lot more than I do. But... Um, it uh so it's interesting because i wouldn't necessarily say that the rules in this guide are the magic rules in the story okay. like they are they are like my best attempt at adapting the rules of the world to the rule set of D. &D. um mm. so i think you'll what you'll find in that campaign guide is that there's some more insight into what the characters can do that you might not see in the book um i don't think it contradicts anything in the book um but um yeah it's uh you know really if these characters were D, &D characters what would that look like what would their abilities be right um, yeah and do you have so my other question so in your kickstarter for issue number two you had on there some like miniatures on there you also had some um you know background prints and you have other new things for for this as uh, uh, that with, with add-ons. You have the you know the the puppy stickers is new. You don't have the other you have the other stickers. So the other uh, stickers, uh, the other stickers are everything that I've done for all the previous campaigns is available um, as add-ons on this one. The only thing that's not available is that miniature. Unfortunately, um, it's kind of like a tragic saga. With the uh, miniature, we had um, a friend of mine, uh, resin 3D printed like 45 miniatures, carefully packaged them up, sent them through USPS, and USPS absolutely mangled them. Oh, no. Um, and then we put in for a insurance claim, and they took several months and eventually denied the claim. Um, and so basically what I ended up doing was refunding everyone who had uh, paid, pledged for a miniature to be sent to them. And then oh. I sent everyone on the campaign the um, the like digital file. If they had a 3D printer at home, they could do it themselves. It's like, unfortunately, what I realized is that with something like that, I was really going to have to outsource to a like professional uh company for doing it and so yeah. while i might return to something like that at some point in the future for now i'm trying to stick to things that are more in my wheelhouse and things that can be flat packed things that the usps can't really destroy right uh yeah yeah so that so and 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 do you see yourself doing that for each issue um coming up is then taking everything you had in there and put it and putting it in on on the add-on menu yeah. Um, as long, I mean, as long as I still have the stuff, like I'm 
like you know i printed enough um of the stickers and the trading cards and the prints and stuff that i think that they'll last for a while if they when i get to the point where they start to sell out and run out i mean at that point i'll have to make a decision about whether it's worth it to reprint the old stuff or if that just becomes like an exclusive that like the people who got it they got it right and then you know we kind of move on to the new stuff um so but i mean like that the coming up with the little add-ons i think is just a ton of fun the new stuff i mean the stickers have been a huge hit um and um it's 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 been super fun actually i've been going to a few cons um They've just started to open up conventions in Washington State and Oregon and gone to a few. And I take all these stickers and I put them out on the table and um, people get really excited about them. And it's interesting to see which ones are popular, uh, which ones are more popular than the others. The unicorn with the bloody horn is like a huge winner. People always want that one. Um, I did a sticker for my modern mythology campaign that was about um, that had Zeus on it that um is is popular but mm -hmm. uh yeah so those things are just um fun and um i'd like to i'd like to to answer your question i guess i'm sort of rambling but i'd like to continue offering the little bonuses that i offered on previous kickstarters as long as i can as long as i have them just because i don't want anything to feel like uh that you know, if you weren't here for every campaign, then you just are crap out of luck and you don't get to have the fun stuff. Like if people want that stuff, I want them to feel like they can have it. Um, even if, you know, even if, you know, a year from two years from now where I'm doing issue eight or whatever, you know, and like someone wants to jump on if they want the stickers that I did in issue one or like the trading cards or whatever, mm. like I don't want them to feel like they just missed the boat and they're not able to get it. Right. And do you, have you seen, so, but so like once they're gone they're gone though like for instance you ordered a finite amount of of like the issue one stickers but you'll have but you'll have those it kind of depends um like i said i'm gonna have to like figure it out i have enough that i don't see myself running out within the next couple of campaigns hmm. um the stickers i think will kind of be evergreen because they're the most popular thing that i do okay. by far as far as like the x the bonus the stretch gold prints that i do and things like that um i'm not sure um it kind of depends like i think if if i got to the point where i ran out and people are like we want these i would reprint them okay um it's but you know it's like is the interest there am i just like killing trees to print more prints i don't know <laughs> and was there is there anything on here that you've noticed that was uh you're kind of surprised about other than like you mentioned the stickers earlier that do you feel that that push to have to kind of come up with um, a new sticker theme every uh, for every issue now? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, the stickers are the most popular, and I think it is getting to be like it's getting harder and harder to come up with the sticker <laughs> ideas that like I feel like are going to be like compelling and fun because I don't want to do a sticker that's just like you know the different characters or whatever that like nobody's going to understand i think this is the first one i've done with no text but i think it's just so cute that it kind of stands on its own right um and it is getting harder and harder to come up with stickers so like it's it's possible i might start doing something else instead of stickers at some point if i run out of ideas um i have um 
I've always been surprised at how excited people are about the prints that I do. I always do a stretch goal print, like a set of stretch goal prints. Mm. Um, and people always get super excited about them, which is great. I think the art is really fun. Um, but, um, you know, and then, um, the trading cards is, uh, is interesting. I'm, I really like the trading cards. I personally like them. I mean, I basically <laughs> did those because I wanted to have them. Uh, <laughs> And, but people are, people seem to enjoy them and I'm hoping that it's, it'll kind of be like a satisfying thing that, you know, I do a couple more trading cards with, with each campaign and then people end up having, you know, this like collection of cards and hopefully right. that's kind of a fun thing. Right. And I can't, did you say that like there, there's like stats on the back of them as well? There, there's no stats on the back of them. They're okay. just character cards. It's just like so, a narrative, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they're just narrative cards, uh, art cards, um, but um, the the ones I did, I did trading cards for my modern mythology book, which had not stats, but sort of like a little bit of information about like what culture of the myth of right. the, that they were from. Um, but uh, um, yeah, the 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 thing that has stats is the the RPG guide, right. which kind of gets into the bones of different characters. And also the the fun thing about the RPG guide that I'm super excited about. Like I said, the actual stats are really based on like D and D, like making it work within D and D. But there's the flavor text, and there's information about the settings and the characters, and there's extra information and Easter eggs in that RPG book that will come into play in uh. future issues that I have not revealed in the book yet. So, like eagle-eyed readers are going to spot stuff that's coming up um, because I wanted to make that starter guide sort of evergreen, so that even after you know, all the first five issues are done. It still is like relevant and, and like makes sense. Um, right. So uh, yeah, there's, there are, there are definitely Easter eggs in there. And would we, we had to be deliberate with that. Like what did, are, are there some things that you couldn't put in the starter because that were like, I don't want to, and, and yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if should, people should know about this yet or anything like that. Um, I mean, there are definitely things that I considered putting in that would have been like spoilers for plot points from like uh, issue six and beyond. And mm. so I avoided the stuff that would like really reveal where the plot was going after the first arc. Um, but um, in terms of the rest of it, um, the unicorn uh, vampire hunter isn't really story about mysteries i think i have done this thing i've sort of embraced a writing philosophy where if i set up a mystery i reveal it i reveal the answer to the mystery like immediately <laughs> like um the you find out everything like almost everything is important to know about the unicorn at the end of the first issue and then there's like a little there's a there's a little mystery that's set up in the first issue that's answered in the second issue Right. Um, and and then like and so uh, to me, it's for this story is more about the characters and the journey and less about like withholding information and having a big mystery. Right. I mean, so like you like you said, like, you know, the the the, the meta plot of your story arc or your five issue five issue story arc is going to um, is the, the, it's going to have a satisfaction, like a satisfactory ending or or is you going to have to leave like a, at least a breadcrumb for. The next story arc what, what i will say and this is 
looking ahead. I mean, the story, the first five issues will be wrapped up before the end of next year, but um, I will say that the story is the, the plot will be wrapped up, but there will be a large breadcrumb. I mean, you know, like there will be like a definite hook into the next arc. Um, and I had toyed with that. Like I had two versions of the script for issue five. One where I didn't have that breadcrumb and it was just the end of the story. Right. Um, but at this point, based on the reception that I've gotten and, you know, how people are enjoying the story and like seeming to want to come back and come back again, um, I'm pretty confident that I can carry it through to another arc. Right. So, and and so do you see your and so you know with that said is this like how much you're gonna take uh uh, uh the D D thing are you gonna have like some more camp if you get the, the the feedback is is positive are you looking at maybe doing more of the maybe doing some more supplements for that D D side of things yeah, so this is, I guess, sort of a story comic exclusive. Oh, uh, another one. Okay, good. All yeah. right. But um, the if it goes well, and a lot of people are backing it, which is exciting that people like it. Hopefully, I mean, the people are excited about the idea of it. Hopefully, it's good and people actually enjoy it. And if that turns out to be true and I get some positive feedback, my intention is to create a whole um, source book, like a like a not just like a 20 page thing but like a full you know dnd supplement source book that would be its own thing oh, um wow. that would really cover not just this one this supplement has two settings it's got really the the magical marsh and the dark forest that's it um and it's the the adventure in there takes place within that and um and the characters and everything are just really exclusive to that Whereas um, I could definitely um, have a book that fills out the entire world and has different um, plot starts and, you know, a bunch of different characters and everything. And, um, I would love to do that. Um, and I think that there is um, uh, Kickstarter has a lot of uh, D&D supplements that go up on there and um, um, and I've even spoken with, um, w with, um, you know, people who do those books and, and, you know, publishers who publish those kinds of things and about ideas for it. And, uh, and so, yeah, um, I definitely want to do more. I, I, I think I probably won't do more little 20 page things. I think the jump will be from this to a whole book. So would you be able, so because it's, uh, because it's kind of a different genre if you're you know making like a game manual would that be something that you would kind of like hire out for someone to put together and and then you'd be able to concentrate on writing more of the, the um, stories that's a good question um so to be honest like i said uh my partner lorelei did the uh honestly the lion's share of like creating the stat blocks and stuff right. And so um, it's something that um, I probably would get help with um, just because while I do play D&D, &D, um, it's not necessary. I'm not an expert. When I run a D&D &D game, a lot of times if there's like a rule that comes up where it's like, oh, you know, how would you do this action or what kind of 
um, role would this enemy do? I don't look it up. I just kind of make it up, uh, you know, on the spot because I'm because I'm like, you know, I want to keep the game going and I'm not that much of a rules lawyer. But um, but I would definitely want the supplement that I write to be um, fully fleshed out and like make sense in terms of rules. So, yeah, I think I would. I think I would hire that out and um, and get someone to help me out with that so that I can focus on, you know, just the narrative elements of it and continuing the story itself. Yeah. Right. And so, so talk to us a bit about also like issue number three, what is your, uh, you know, without giving away, it's like, you know, it's, it's your, it's your 32 page or uh, what's kind of the, uh, what direction is a story heading for the, for our listeners and viewers to kind of know about? Um, so the let's see what can i say about it um what i can say is this issue focuses in on the evil plot that's happening uh because in issue one we were introduced to the three main characters and kind of like what all their motivations were and we just got a little bit of the main villain the character that would become the main villain and um and then in issue two, there was some more character development and uh, and some more action that was happening. And issue three really puts a spotlight on the villain and mm. fleshes out the villain's character motivations. The, the, the villain is a vampire named Enrique. Um, and uh, this is like the very most minor of spoilers, but it is a spoiler. In issue one, the unicorn kills Enrique's brother, Frederico, um, which sets Enrique on a uh, path toward revenge and enrique is a genius he's like an inventor and um he's very cunning and uh and he finds some new allies and he starts to enact a plot because so far he's kind of been made a fool of by the unicorn and now it's his turn to kind of turn things around and and start um start getting after the unicorn and his friends and um he is good at what he does and um hopefully his character has some depth to it hopefully people will think that and um and uh you know they'll understand his motivations and what he's doing so this is a very villain centric mm -hmm. issue and it, it is all about the villain enacting his plan and, and, and sort of what's going to happen and setting up the putting the pieces in place for what will be the sort of finale of the the arc and so what would be some of the uh you know with with that uh what would be some of the surprises that you think your readers are going to kind of discover um you know that's a good question um i think that um I think that everyone who reads this is going to have guesses about what's happening and what what's going to happen in issue four. Um, and I think that um, I don't think that uh, it's like a huge mystery. I think that there's like there's every chance that people reading it will guess uh, correctly. But I have had people who have read the issue, some of my beta readers. Some of them guessed correctly and some of them are way off base in terms of what was happening. And so 
um, I think that um, I think people are going to be. Um, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna like the villains. I, mm. I I'm really. So the thing is, as I'm writing the story, one of my one of my favorite things um, is in in stories is villains that like we can kind of care about and like we can get excited by. I mean, you know, it's uh, it would surprise no one to hear that like Zuko from Avatar: The Last Airbender is one of my favorite characters of all time. Um, and uh so you know playing with villains and you know what their motivations are and like no one's a villain in their own mind right like everyone thinks they're doing they're like watching out for themselves and doing the right thing or at least like they're not bad right i mean uh like zuko thought he was trying to like uh secure a place for himself in the fire nation and like get his father's approval um right and like uh ultimately that was misguided but um so um hopefully i mean yeah i don't know i'm very excited to get feedback from people and see if if, if that's starting to, to come into play the way i hope that it is i always i always have big ideas about characters and like you know whether or not i'm accomplishing those i'm never sure you know but anyway so characters yep that you're going to get to see the villains and i hope hopefully readers will be excited about that and hopefully they will have guesses if you come away from it and you come back to me and you talk to me about it and you tell me what you think is going to happen then i will know that i succeeded at getting you to think about like getting your wheels spinning like what's going on here um which is what i want but like as, as you said, as, as as you pointed out, Caleb, it is very like character driven, and it's it's really interesting to see, um, you know, like the the humanizing of, like you said, the villains, um, the unicorn, you know, and the other you know people that are people are around it. It there's there's a there's a level of almost normalcy and just the emotions that everybody has. Um, is that was some of your as you as i think you mentioned too is like a dave uh was helping you kind of he's if i remember correctly he kind of proofreads it as well yeah i mean he'll say that you know he he credits him like he does all the letters so he gets to credit himself however he wants and he credits <laughs> himself with being an editor in the book um and he will um uh, he uh he's very funny he never reads the script until he's gonna letter it uh but he does make changes um and uh almost always those changes benefit the story um sometimes if there's a moment in the art or in the pacing where it like feels like an additional dialogue might help he'll like throw that in there and sometimes if there's something i wrote it's actually just gonna like uh, slow the story down or make it awkward he just deletes it and then and then he just kind of sends me the pages and sees if I notice and uh and you know usually I do but usually I'm okay with it anyway um so yeah he's definitely like um doing those like little last minute tweaks did he give you any tips that like like for that when you when you sat down and when he was looking at the script um 
how much back and forth do you have with with Daryl and Dave as well as um, trying to find the voices for the characters? And has there been any feedback that they've given you? It's like, you know, I'm not sure, you know, Jezebel would say it like this, or I'm not sure if, uh, you know, um, you know, other characters would 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 talk like this. Uh, definitely a lot more from Daryl in terms of because he, you know, as he's drawing, you know, and he's laying out the scenes, he has a. I mean, Daryl knows the characters better than anyone, like probably even better than me, and um, and so he will talk to me about, you know, if something doesn't feel in character. Um, uh, Dave will uh also do that but his way of doing that is to just change the dialogue on the page uh and then uh, and then show me um uh but he is um he's great at what he does so i with both of them i mean honestly it's like it's such a dream team because uh they seem to both be able to basically just like read my mind right. uh in terms of you know what what needs to happen and um and then usually when they suggest changes or just make changes it's makes it better and 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 it like more completely matches what i was going for in the first place so um and you know after you work with a team for a while you really get into a rhythm of how you work together and and you know now that we've been doing uh three issues and we're about to start the fourth issue uh it's like there's just um, a lot that goes unsaid um, and a lot that's just shorthand or second nature um, between us where, um, you know, we're all invested in the story and we're all, we all have done it before and we all know the characters. And, and so it's, um, it's like less of a discussion and more of just kind of a fluid collaboration. Right. And do you have uh... And, and so I'm, I'm kind of curious too, is like how much, because uh, you got, you got, you got people here, you know, that are there um, that you have this good team. Uh, how much of the ideas for like your add-ons and some of your extras, do they, do they kind of contribute to? I mean, you, you said the trading cards was yours. You like the trading cards. How much of the other ideas have they, have they been able to contribute for you? Um, that's interesting. Um, most of that is, is, uh me coming up with the ideas i think that the dnd thing was i think like i've, I've always wanted to create a dnd supplement i've always mm -hmm. wanted to make it just like a dnd book uh it spun out of a few different conversations that i had with some people that i play dnd with like my partner Lorelai, um that i a few friends that i play dnd with and then also um mike teener who uh, writes black jackets um and midnight mm -hmm. highway um i've had i had some conversations with him about it before doing it um the stickers are i have to credit jonathan fisher who draws all the stickers um because um he really is like we spitball back and forth about ideas for stickers and he has a pin company with his partner um called bone daddy pins they're like enamel pins that have like fun designs and so i think he has like a real eye for like what people are going to get excited about in terms of like a pin or a sticker um and what people are going to think is fun um and so uh you know 
the the unicorn all the unicorn stickers were in total collaboration uh with him so um yeah i mean you know the add-on stuff i'm kind of just throwing stuff at a wall whenever i come up with something new like oh i'm gonna do a dnd &D book or i'm gonna do minis or i'm gonna do a, a sticker or whatever it's kind of like i'm just throwing stuff at the wall and if it doesn't work it's like a relatively small investment and i just do something different the next time if it doesn't work or like in the case of the stickers or now the D, D book seems to be really popular so it's like if something works i'm gonna do more of it and if it doesn't work you know i'll just do something different next time right yeah is there is there anything that you're kind of uh that that's worked that that you've been uh you, you're like you said you're kind of surprised about like other than the stickers you said the stickers was a big surprise for you yeah um i don't know i think that the the D &D book seems to be um really popular and i i wasn't i don't know i don't i i didn't have huge expectations i was hopeful that it would be something people would be really into but it's definitely exciting that people are super into it other than that um no i mean you know lots of people do trading cards and and stickers and prints on on kickstarter and um and right. so that you know it's just kind of like my ideas are all based on what can I flat pack, like what's easy to produce and what's uh, adding value to people without being something that like is really expensive to make or really expensive to ship. Right. What were some of the things that you've, that you were, you kind of learned about through this Kickstarter that, that you've kind of, that you've, you, you've, you kind of, from your previous Kickstarters that you've implemented for this, this new Kickstarter. Cause you've been, you, so last year when we talked, you already had seven under your belt, and now you have like you're down over over ten kickstarters you've done so far, correct? Um, I think this is my next one. Um, I don't remember exactly. Uh, I think it's either nine or ten, but. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've learned a lot. Like a lot of, I'm doing a lot of copy and pasting now when it comes to uh, the, the like Kickstarter page. It's like swapping out information because it feels like I've kind of tapped into things that work. Um, I, um, I don't know. I'm like, I hesitate to speak with any kind of authority because <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of it is luck. Um, but I, I think if I've learned anything, it's to keep the presentation simple um make it really clear what people are getting i'm always very upfront very transparent about everything uh i like to do preview pages that are like i mean on every kickstarter i just give away the first five or so pages of right. the story because um you know i don't want to withhold things like uh i want to give people the chance to read it and see if it's something they might like so i you know yeah like i said i hesitate to like to claim that I have any kind of expertise, but you know, if I, I think if I've learned anything, it's just to like have a clean, simple presentation. that's easy to understand and it's easy for people to understand what they're going to get and what they can get. Right. So this is also so, cause I'm curious when you're, you're on your, you are producing you had modern mythology that, that was, uh, that was sent out uh, over the summer. Um, Talk to us a bit about how your your, your process is because, um, I mean, you still you still teach, right? You still 
Yeah, I am. Uh, I am a high school teacher, um, and uh, so I mean, you know, I write in my free time, and I, you know, manage these projects. If I, I couldn't do the amount of comics that I do uh, and work if I was drawing them. I do, you know, just like there wouldn't be enough time. Like, right. so you know, fortunately for me, there are people like Daryl and Dave and and all the other artists that I've worked with who are you know, kind of hustling and doing full-time art. Um, so they have time to do something like that, but you know, it's like, everything is a trade-off. Um, I, uh, I really like my job and, uh, I'm able to, you know, uh, live in a certain way and, 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 you know, have at least have enough money to be able to devote money to like these kinds of projects. And the fact that people are the fact that people are excited about them and want to pay me for them means that, you know, that because I'm like a combination of the fact that I work full time and that I have Kickstarters where money is coming in for that is what's a, what makes this possible. Right. right. Cause like if I, if I wasn't making money on Kickstarter, I just wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, these things are expensive to make. Like I said, people like Daryl and Dave do this full time. And so, you know, I pay them. Um, and, uh, and so my, my process is that I write uh, in the evenings and on weekends, and then uh, I just uh, do my damnedest to promote and to to make things that I think are good so that people want to keep coming back. Right. Um, you know, because I did a lot of Kickstarters before Unicorn Vampire Hunter that were not that successful, um, that weren't making enough money for me to really like do the next thing to where I was just like saving up money. Uh, right. Or sometimes, sometimes going into debt to uh, to make projects because they were passion projects, and um, and uh, you know, but of course, you know, money talks. So when people come back and they want to continue buying the thing and they're excited about the next issue and everything, and that means it's possible to make this thing has become my main focus because people like it, and it just so happens that it's also my favorite thing and that it's been that it's a deep passion project of mine that I've been wanting to do for a long time. So it's just like lucky for me that those things uh, coincided. But yeah, I mean, my my schedule, my process is that I write when I can. And I, you know, try to make these things work when I can. And I rely on other talented people to do a lot of the work for me. So that <laughs> train rolling. I mean, because yeah, I remember you, as you as you were telling us in a previous interview that, that you came up with the idea of Unicorn Vampire Hunter based off of the uh, uh, back in 2011 when it was based off of uh, somebody told you that uh, what like a marsh isn't magical, so you had to write your short story about Jezebel and the unicorn to prove that person wrong. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do you, and so other, so I'm, I'm kind of curious now with the, since you're seeing a, a, a lot of push for the, the D and D, uh, the D and D supplement, are you looking at maybe some taking this IP into other genres as well? Um, you know, like a collectible card game or things like um, that? I mean, the the D and D thing is kind of the next uh, the next thing I wanna I wanna look into. After that, it kind of depends. I uh, it also kind of depends. Um, you know, everything with this particular book, 
um, I have a, a publishing deal with Scout Comics, um, where um, at some point in the future, once uh, once we have enough issues collected together, they're going to start publishing it, and uh, and so everything kind of has to be cleared through them in terms of like if I was going to go do a, a board game or or whatever, and so I'd like to do some of that stuff, but but like mm -hmm. you said, a lot of it is like, am I what do I have time for? What do right. I have expertise in? With D&D, certainly, you know, I would get some outside help um, uh, as far as, you know, what's feasible, what makes sense. And, and, and also, like, you know, you have to think about the audience and, like, where people are going to follow you. Because people who read comics might not be the same people who are going to be wanting to invest in, like, you card game or something like that right um, and so of course i have all sorts of ideas you know, can't stop from having all sorts of <laughs> ideas like that but i think i'm kind of uh being cautious about what areas i probe into which is why i did the dnd supplement to kind of test the waters right. to see if that would be something people would be interested in yeah and as you said you've gotten uh, some uh, some full-on support on that too yeah yeah Wow. So this is, this is amazing. I'm looking at you, every tier you've got people, you've got backers on like every tier. So there, I mean, I'm part of that is that one thing I've learned is just to keep it simple. I mean, I, right. a certain degree, there has to be a certain number of tiers, but I try to do, especially now that Kickstarter has add on fun, like functionality, right? It, I try to do the simplest number of tiers I can. Right. And then, you know, people want to customize that and do different combinations of things. They totally can, yeah. Um, but yeah. And you see this, like looking at your pledge, your your physical catch up bundle. You got twenty three backers. That's twenty three new readers. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And that's a really good price, right there. Twenty seven dollars. That's an amazing price. Um. Yeah, it's interesting pricing stuff. I'm never sure um, how to price things because I try to do it based on what's what people are doing on Kickstarter, what seems like, um, you know, the, the price that seems acceptable to Kickstarter backers and, um, you know, and I try to make it worth it for the backers. Right. Uh, but, um, it seems, I seem to have found a good sweet spot for that because, um, you know, people are jumping on board and they, and they want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm always, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of debate. I mean, it comes to Kickstarter, like literally any topic as far as like how things are presented or how you're printing things or how you're pricing things or how you're shipping things. There will be people arguing online about how to do it and like and like getting angry about it. And um, and, you know, I'm just I, I, I think I found a formula that works and uh, I don't think I'm charging too much and I don't think I'm charging too little. Um, mm -hmm. I think some people can sometimes feel bad about spent charging people money for what they've made. And so they charge way too little right? and their profit margins are nothing. And then they can't afford to make the next thing. And so part of the th thing about Kickstarter is the whole thing is, can I make the next issue? I need to raise money so I can make the next issue. Cause we're, people, we're, what people are paying me for on this campaign is not for me to produce issue three <laughs> that's paid for. They're paying right. for me to produce issue four and five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and now and that and that takes a bit of you know as you say like the the uh, the initial investment still is going to come out of your pocket too and this is you know as you say it's a passion project so yeah so congratulations caleb on getting your on on hitting that your your goal i mean Thank that's you. exciting stuff um and you got a hundred backers so there's that so far i mean you got a hundred backers for your for your standard physical copy so yeah. And you got, and you've, and you've double, and you got Project We Love. Didn't you get Project You Love as well? Yeah, we got one? that on like the second day, I think. We got Project uh, Project We Love, which is exciting. That's always funny. I like, I never count on that. Uh, I have definitely run projects where I haven't gotten it. Right. Um, but, you know, it's always like, um, and I'm not, I, you know, Kickstarter, like, they don't really publish their process for these things and they don't publish their like metrics for these things. And so it's like, how much does it help? I don't know, but it feels good to get it. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, uh, it's definitely fun that, that we got that. And we've gotten that so far in every unicorn campaign. Um, so that's really exciting. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, so, so where can people find you if they want to, if they want to, back a unicorn vampire hunter or see more of your your work well the easiest way is unicornvampirehunter.com um super easy to remember and um and then you know if you want to um follow me online you can go to um you can find me on instagram and twitter and facebook and and, and stuff um but i really do everything uh, on kickstarter at this point right. following me on kickstarter is like really the best way and right. um but uh but yeah my website inkytostudio.com has uh information about all the different kinds of things that i have that i've published um and i try to update it every once in a while it's maybe been a little while since i updated it but um but yeah, so that you know, that's where you can go to find out about it and right. um, check out the Kickstarter. Kickstarter, Kickstarter is always the best place. Um, it's um, it's the most exciting place. Um, yeah. I don't, I still don't have a web store because I am bad at the internet. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I eventually I'll 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 get that up and leave it up. Cool. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Caleb. And we and we I'll probably see you again and. Uh see you again soon then. yeah yeah for sure I, I mean as long as you'll keep having me i love being on your show Thanks. <laughs>
That's good. Yeah, I'm drinking, uh, I'm drinking a cream of Earl Grey tea. Oh, is that a David's tea? It is a David's tea. I got a David's tea too. Look at that. Huh? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love the cream of Earl Grey.